0: And Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. And knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Amen. We know that God will add His own blessing to the reading of His Word. Let us bow for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for this meeting. We thank you, Lord, for the praises. We thank you, Lord, for Your Word. And as we contemplate Your Word now, we pray You would speak to every heart. That we will hear your voice, for Christ's sake, Amen, and Amen. The precious name of Jesus. In verse twenty-one, we are told, "And she shall bring forth the son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins." The man who is known in history as Bernard of Clairvaux, and Bernard of Clairvaux is known as St. Bernard. Now, he lived sometime around the 11th century. It was a time of great corruption in the church, and he didn't get everything right. In many ways, he was a man who committed some of the sins of the age in terms of false beliefs and whatnot. But he got this particular thing right. He said the name of Jesus, it's honey in the mouth, it's melody in the ear, It's joy in the heart. And I think that's a phenomenal thing to say. Jesus' name, honey in the mouth, it's sweet. It's melody in the ear. There's a music to the name, and it gives joy in the heart. And that's the best thing about the name of Jesus, more than anything else. The name of Jesus is fragrance. There is a, a fragrant aroma, a spiritual aroma that rises from this name. And wherever we find the name of Jesus, we'll find those three graces that the Apostle Paul talked about, faith, hope, and love. And of course, the greatest of these is love. And these are the three things that we all need, that we we cannot be without. We, We must have these three graces. If we don't have these three graces, we are cast adrift on life without hope. We have no hope for time and no hope for eternity. But with these three graces, faith, hope, and love, we have everything. We have treasures and we have riches, and we can have these things through the precious name of Jesus. Just think about Joseph here. Joseph was a man who was gravely troubled. He went to bed, a troubled man, because he had hopes and he had dreams. And the young lady that He was engaged to, he was betrothed to, it was much stronger than engagement. Uh, Mary was found to be with child, and he he couldn't accept all this stuff about an angel coming and speaking to her, and he just couldn't get his head around all of that, and he felt there had been immorality, and he was sorely troubled about it all, and he, he loved Mary dearly, but he felt that he could not marry her, and so he was thinking of a way to put her away privily, just to deal with the matter of her sin, but to do it in a discreet way that she wouldn't, put, she wouldn't be put to an open shame and, and to a, an open disgrace. And, and even the very fact that he was thinking carefully about how he should deal with Mary would give us an indication of the kind of man he was, gracious and kind, temperate, uh, self-controlled, and he is simply called a just man there in verse 19. And so he goes to bed and he's thinking about these things. He can't think of anything else. What is he to do? How is he to deal with this matter? All his hopes and, and dreams and aspirations for the future of marriage and of love and of family, they were just evaporating before his eyes. And how would he deal with this matter? And he goes to bed and he's troubled. And then the angel of the Lord appears unto him in a dream. And suddenly, when he awakes, the, the fear is gone. The worry is gone. The anxiety is gone. The hopes are back. The, the dreams of the future are back. The love has returned. His life has been turned around As he was sleeping. And we're told in verse 24 that Joseph being raised from sleep did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him took unto him his wife. And in verse 25 whenever she brought forth uh, her firstborn son it wasn't he, he wasn't his firstborn son it was her firstborn son because of course this child was of the Holy Ghost the Son of God. And he called his name Jesus. And that's what made the difference to Joseph on that night. He heard the name Jesus for the very first time. And peace came where there was trouble and fear and anxiety. And from the very first mention of the name Jesus in the the New Testament, we get a sense of how precious the name is. And we're going to think about the preciousness of the name of Jesus this evening. Let's think about the origin of the name, first of all. Uh, Did Joseph think about what he would call the child and then said, oh, we'll call his name Jesus? Did he have a discussion with Mary and did they together think, oh, we like the sound of the name Jesus? Did they uh, look into their family background and find someone there whose name was Jesus? Yes, yes, we'll call him after such and such a person. No, that's not how it worked at all. Because this name came directly from God. This was God's name for his son. And Joseph was directed to call the child by the name Jesus. And this instantly tells us what this Christmas story is all about. It's about the God God. Who sent his son. And this child, Jesus, was and is the son of God. The origin of the name. And this sets the name of Jesus apart from all other names because the name came from God himself. The origin of the name. Let's think about the meaning of the name now. And Joseph was told the meaning of the name, He shall save his people from their sins. And that's what the name Jesus means. It means Savior. Every time the name Jesus is spoken, the name Savior is spoken. The name Jesus speaks to his work, speaks to his purpose. The meaning tells us what this child came to do. He came to save. And this saving would be done through a person. You'll call his name Jesus, for he shall save. This saving would be done through the child who would become the young man, who would become the rabbi, who would become the teacher, who would become the man crucified on Calvary's cross who would become the one who would rise from the grave on the third day. The name Jesus. And through all of this, he would accomplish salvation. Salvation would be done through him. He shall save his people from their sins. Now, the Jews were looking for a Savior. In fact, through the whole of the Old Testament, there were many Saviors. Joshua was a Savior. He he took the children of Israel into the promised land. And actually, the name Joshua is the name Jesus in the Greek, in the Hebrew language. David was a saviour. He saved Israel from the Philistines. He saved Israel from their first king, Saul, who, of course, was not God's choice. David was a saviour. And there were others whom we would call saviours. The Jewish people looked to these deliverers, the name saviour to the Jews. It was the deliverer the one who would come, the one who would conquer their enemies. And the Jews, yes, they were looking for a savior. They were crying out for a savior. They were longing for a savior, but they weren't longing for one who would save them from their sins. They were longing for one who would deal with their political problems. They were looking for one who would raise up an army, who would conquer the Romans and give the Jewish people back their independence again. They were looking for a political saviour. They were looking for a military saviour. They were looking for a a physical king who would reign over them and make their country big once again as it was in the days of Solomon. That's what they longed for. But they weren't looking for a saviour from sin. They weren't looking for a spiritual saviour. And there are many people today and they're looking for someone who will have the answer for their financial problems and the world is full of financial worries and financial problems tonight. They're looking for some hope in the midst of all that, looking for more income, looking for more financial stability. They're looking for political peace, political peace in the world, political peace amongst the nations. That's what people are longing for. That's what people are thinking about. But how many people are thinking about the Savior from sin? Because that's the fundamental problem that lies at the heart of all of man's need. The fact that he's a sinner. And what are you looking for tonight? Are you looking for a savior from sin? Maybe your mind is filled with other things. Even at Christmas time. Everything gets so busy. Everything gets so hectic. So many things to do. So little time to attend to it. And the clock just ticks down, ticks down until Christmas day. But what's it all about? If it wasn't for Jesus, there would be no Christmas And what is it all about? He came to save his people from their sins. He came to save sinners. He came to save me. He came to save you. He came to save all of us. And if we don't begin to recognize the fact that we are sinners before God, we miss God's purpose for us that we might be saved. We need saving from our sins because we can't save ourselves from our sins sitting in the pew of this church will not save you from your sin. Reading the Bible will not save you from your sin. It'll be a help. It'll not save you. Living a good and decent life will not save you from your sin because it'll not eradicate the fact that you're a sinner to begin with. You need saving from your sin. And there's only one who can save you from your sin, and that's this man, Jesus Christ. No one else can do that. He alone is the Savior he saves us from the penalty of sin and the penalty of sin is severe the penalty of sin is death, eternal death the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord you see only Christ can give us eternal life and save us from eternal death and death itself is bad it's terrible, it's catastrophic it's tragic we're all facing death But to face eternal death is so much more tragic. It is sad to lose one's life. It is worse to lose one's soul. And ultimately, folks, this evening, we're all going to lose our lives. We don't know when that's going to happen. We don't know how it's going to happen. But we know it is going to happen unless Christ intervenes and comes first. And that, of course, may happen as well. And if you're not saved, you'll not be ready for that event, seeing Christ. But I tell you, if you die before the Lord comes, you're still going to see him because you'll be raised. But you'll be raised to the resurrection of damnation, to the judgment day. And you'll meet him, and you'll see him. This precious name, Jesus. You'll see him as the one whom you rejected. You said, I don't need this man to be my savior. And you'll stand before him and give an account for how you turned away from the gospel. In Clocker Valley, Free Presbyterian Church, or some other place where you heard Christ's name mentioned. Oh, it's tragic. One day we're going to die, but to lose your soul, eternal death, to be sent away to the lake of fire. Oh, we need saving from all of that, and that's what we all deserve. For the wages of sin is death. We all deserve this dreadful, dreadful execution. But Christ, he took the execution himself upon the cross, that we might be saved from our sin. He came to deal with our guilt. He came to deal with the penalty. He came to give salvation. You know, wherever you go in this book, you read about salvation. It's the core message of the book. The Savior who came to save us. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 12, Paul spoke to Timothy and he said, From a child has known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. I said, reading this book will not save you, and neither it will. There are people who know this book from cover to cover. They, they know so much about this book. They know facts, they know details, they know doctrines. They can argue and debate about truth, but they don't know the man at the heart of the book. They ha- don't have salvation. And you know, when you might read something and yet miss the key message, and many people have done that, they have filled their minds intellectually with what this book says, but they don't know the Savior who's at the heart of the book. And that's the one whom you need to know. Yes, this book will help you find salvation. But ultimately, this salvation comes through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. You must put your personal faith in Jesus Christ that you might be saved. In Hebrews 2, verse 3, we read, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? You see, this salvation is a great salvation. It's a great salvation. It's the only salvation. And if you neglect this salvation, if you say, I don't need to be saved... If you neglect it, there is no escape because there is no hope. And in Hebrews 5, verse 9, we read, And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Eternal salvation. This salvation is eternal. When you are saved, you are saved forever because it's an eternal salvation. And those who are saved are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. And that's 1 Peter chapter 1 and the verse 5. Oh, there's so many things we can say about this salvation, this great salvation, this eternal salvation, this salvation that can be yours through faith in Christ alone, this salvation from hell, and this salvation that gives you peace, peace forever. Oh, what a word this is. Joseph, whenever he was hearing the angel in the dream, what did the angel say to him? Verse 20. Fear not. Very first words he heard. Fear not. Oh, that man went to bed that night afraid. It's amazing he even was able to go to sleep at all. He was afraid. He was afraid for the future, afraid of the scandal, afraid of the gossip. So many things he was afraid of. The first words he heard was, Fear not. Why was he told to fear not? Because the child was called Jesus. That was why. And that's why the peace came. C.H. Spurgeon said, Fear not. Truly no name can banish fear like the name of Jesus. It is the beginning of hope. It's the end of despair. There's no need to despair and there's every reason for hope. Whenever Jesus becomes your Savior, fear not. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Ah, there's peace from every fear through Jesus who came to save. And so we've noticed the origin of the name, the meaning of the name. Let's just think about the command concerning the name. Who was the one who was to call him Jesus? It wasn't Mary. Mary was not told to call him Jesus. And while God was the one that created the name Jesus for his son, the official naming of the child was to be done By Joseph. Because we are told in verse 21. And she shall bring forth a son. And thou shall call his name Jesus. You see. Joseph although he was not the child's father. Joseph was. The head of that home. Into which the child was born. And as the head of the home. It was his responsibility to. Call the child by the name. You'll call his name Jesus. And verse 25 says. That when. Mary's firstborn son was born. Joseph, he did what he was told. He called his name Jesus. And what really interests me here is this, that it was a man who was told to give Jesus his name before men. Of course, he really was Jesus in the mind and the heart of God. But before mankind, before society, before the world, the one who was to officially give the child the name was a man. A man who was a sinner. Joseph was a good man, an honorable man, a just man. He still was a sinner nonetheless, as we all are sinners. And it was a sinner who would officially call the child Jesus. And what is so significant about that? It shows us the interest that Jesus has in sinners. He came to save sinners. He came to save you and me. And from the very beginning, he identified himself with mankind by selecting this man, Joseph, to call the child Jesus. And of course, Jesus would go on to to love the fearful, to look into the the sightless eyes of old Bartimaeus, heal him, to stop with the the widow of Nain, weeping and wailing because her son had died. The funeral was passing by, and he raised that son from death, to come back to the home of Mary and Martha and to weep with them. He would always be the one who would identify with the sinner, with those that were lost, with those whom society at times had abandoned. He was there for those people. Jesus, his identification with us. The command gives us that. And then let's think about the man, the man who possessed the name Jesus. You know, he is known by, by other names, other names that are all precious, all lovely and all beautiful. You know, the, the wonderful Jehovah Titles of Christ they, they belong to him. They, they're great titles. He is the one who is what he is, who never changes. That's what the word Jehovah means. He is Jehovah said, can you? The Lord, our righteousness. He is the one who is the Lord is my shepherd. And that's very, very precious. The Lord is my banner. The Lord send Peace. Shalom. These are great titles for Jesus. They're precious. John gives him the title, the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He's the Logos. He is known simply as the Son of God. He is the Lord. He is the Christ. He is the Judge. In the book of Revelation, He's King of Kings. He's Lord of Lords. Isaiah simply calls him Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Here in verse 23, he is called Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. These are all precious names, titles for Jesus. But the actual name Jesus, the name he was given as the child he was to be born, the name he was known by as he walked the dusty roads of Galilee and of Judea he walked the streets of Jerusalem. This name that was put as the inscription upon his cross, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This name is the most precious name of all. And yes, he was and is the Son of God. Yes, he is Emmanuel, God with us. Yes, he is the mighty God, the everlasting Father. But above all, He is Jesus because He came to be our Savior. He came to die as a man for men and to shed His precious blood and to rise again and to conquer death for us. He is the Savior. There's nothing more precious, more wonderful than the Savior. And there's nothing more marvelous than to know that you're saved. Finally, let's think about the uniqueness of the name. There is no other name. No other name. Jesus was a relatively common name in these times. We know from our readings of the history of this period that there were, there were many people called Jesus, even in the following decades. Many people would have been known by this name, Jesus. Jesus. But there is only one Jesus who changed the course of history. Only one Jesus who died on the cross and rose again. That makes him unique. Oh, we should treat this name with the greatest of reverence. How tragic it is that there are people and the only time they speak the name Jesus is to use it flippantly in a swear word. This secular atheistic society that the spiragest spiritual things will speak the name Jesus in a flippant way. How tragic to take this precious name and treat this name with such contempt because this name speaks of one who is absolutely unique because the Scripture says neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. No other name can do this. No other name can save you. No other name can give you hope. No other name can give you peace. Only the precious name of Jesus. The uniqueness of the name. Just think of Joseph as we close. Joseph who went to bed that night, heartbroken, tired, weary, struggling under the weight of it all, trying to make sense of it all. Couldn't put the pieces of the puzzle together. Then they heard those words, Fear not. This child, you'll call him Jesus. He's the Savior. And then we come to verse 25. The darkness has passed, peace has come. The child is born. He called his name Jesus. Why? Because he was Joseph's Savior, Joseph's own unique Savior. And that's what you need to do tonight. You need to come to Jesus as you are. And he'll be your unique, your only Savior. You can have peace with God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's bow for prayer. You're here tonight without the Savior. Oh, what a precious name this is—the name of Jesus. If you don't know Him tonight. You give your heart to Him. How do you do that? It's very simple. You come and you say, "Lord, I'm a sinner. Save me." Confess the fact that you're a sinner. Take ownership of your sin, and ask Christ to save you and put your faith in Him. Oh, yes, turn from that sin. Turn on to Jesus. Will you do that? you give your life to Jesus Christ tonight? If you want to talk to me, I'll be here. And talk to you about the things of God. Don't put this matter off. It's much too important. You seek the Lord for life tonight. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Write it upon every heart. We pray that you would take us now from this place with your blessing. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the eternal spirit, be your abiding portion now. And evermore. Amen. Amen.